Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. Did anyone recognize not just the song, but a show of hands, or if you're watching, put in the comments, the people that were actually in the video? All right, the first one, right? Wait, who was it? Anyone? The Incredibles, right? Yeah. The, uh, and then we had the, what's that? Friends. Yep. We had uh, we had Joey, Ross, Chandler, Rachel, Monica, and Phoebe. Friends, right? And then we had Elsa and Anna from Frozen. The two sisters from Frozen. And then there was the gang from Harry Potter. Trick thing though, because it wasn't a group. They all looked like Harry Potter because what? They were about to save Harry Potter. So all his friends cared about him, loved him so much. His squad. They all looked like him to, to. Run away the bad guys, I guess. Then, finally, the Avengers, right? Just a little bit of fun as we start this new series of sermons that we're calling Hashtag Squad Goals. Now, let me explain, all right? Let me explain what I mean by Hashtag Squad Goals, all right? For those of you who do not know, Squad Goals was a term that started a few years ago on social media, and I want to break down this meaning for you, right? A squad... Right? A squad refers to any group of friends, uh, a family, a team, uh, any kind of group, right? That's a squad, right? And then goals, we know, is simply a term used to describe something that you aspire to. Right? Something that you, you want to be a part of or something that you, you look forward to being a part of someday, right? That's, that's a goal. So therefore, right, hashtag squad goals Right now, and hashtag is just a social media thing, right? Just if you don't know, right? Hashtag squad goals is this, right? A group that you want to be a part of someday, right? That you, that you aspire to or, or that you think is the perfect embodiment of whatever, of a group of superheroes in the Avengers case or uh, the perfect group of friends as in the TV show Friends or, or the perfect family as in the incredible family in that cartoon, right? It's something that you want to be a part of. Christina actually has a t-shirt with all these women's names on it from, from the Bible, and it, then it says hashtag squad goals, right? That'd be the perfect group of, uh, group of women, right? Hashtag squad goals. And that's what we're talking about, and that's what we're going to be talking about and looking at over this next month, the month of September. A group that people wish they could be a part of, or a group that we want to aspire to be a part of, the greatest squad ever, right? And, and how can the greatest squad be ever if we can step into that squad and be some of the greatest members of that squad ever, right? So we're going to look at the family of God and then how we can be some of the, the best members of that family or squad, Right? The best men, the best women, the best kids in that squad. And before I get ahead of myself, and before we peel this onion this week, let's talk about this squad thing for a quick minute, just to set some context. Right? When you hear the word squad, right? forget about all that I just said. Right? When you hear about the word, or when you hear the word squad, what comes to your mind? What do you think of? Right, maybe the, the image from the, the different groups in the bumper videos comes to mind, like we talked about. Right, maybe uh, there's some other famous groups that you know of, maybe from TV shows. Right, the, the group or the group of friends from like the Big Bang Theory or, or from New Girl or something like that. Or maybe you think about some famous sports teams. Right, 
Maybe the, the 96 Chicago Bulls or the 1998 New York Yankees or, in my opinion, one of the greatest hockey teams of all time, the 95 Detroit Red Wings, right? Hockey Town, USA. The 90s were just a great decade for sports, right? right? Maybe you think of uh, our military and the brave men and women who make up the squads of our military, right? Maybe you think about something completely different, like the, the popular group of kids in the school that you grew up in and how they wouldn't let you sit at the table with them at lunch. Whatever it is, right? Squads can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. They can bring about good images, right? Something that we aspire to, right? Something that we want to be a part of, right? They can remind you of friends that you've had in the past and the closeness that you shared. Or when you hear squad, it can bring up something hurtful, right? Something destructive, something uh, that broke your heart or distracted you from the purpose that God had for you, right? For many, when they hear about squads, the first thought will be about their family, their current family, and even the, the family they had in the past, like the family that they grew up with, right? For all of us, our first squad is typically our family, right? It just makes sense. And for some of us, our family brings about that picturesque white picket fence with the dog in the backyard with, with two and a half kids and, and our mom and dad. But for the majority of us, this is not what family looked like. So there's still more definitions going on. And don't worry, I'm not going to ask everyone to come up here and tell me your definition of your squad or describe your current family or the family you grew up in or the squad that you want to be a part of. I'm not going to ask that. I'm not that mean, but here is the truth for today. Take a look, all right? We are all part of a squad. We are all part of a group, family, team, whatever, however you want to describe it now, and we have all been a part of groups that helped shape us into what we are today, right? And we also are aspiring or want to be a part of a group in the future, right? Look at it like this. One of the, the biggest things going on right now is those DNA kits, right, that tell you your genetic makeup, right? You know what I'm talking about? You, you spit into a vial, you send it off somewhere to be analyzed uh, by someone who knows where they are, and you find out all about who you are, right? Well, who, what makes you you, what, what your heritage is, right? Your squad, at least in terms of your family heritage, right? A lot of people take these tests, and it confirms everything that they thought, and then some people take these tests, and their whole world just blows up, either for the better or for the worse, right? I, I love this commercial that came out when these tests first started coming out and making it into the mainstream. Take a look at this commercial. Do we have it? Yep. This is great.
0.012% Viking. Even that little percent changed his world, right? All right. Look, listen. On the other side of, of this, there's actually groups for people who take these tests and they find out <laughs> that their parents were not actually their biological parents. Right? Still, still, right? There's a, there's a lot of definitions, especially when we talk about squad in terms of family, using that example, Right? Right, these tests can confirm everything or destroy everything about a, a person's squad and or family, both in the past squads, the squads that they grew up in, or in their present squads, the, the squads that are under the roof in the house that they share, right? And they can even change the definition for future squads, right? And so I, I want you to think about this as we set the context. I want you to think about your family tree. Right, think about your family tree. Right, that particular squad. That's the example we're using today. Right, what does it look like? Right, what does your family tree look like? If you were to take one of those DNA tests, would your family tree stand up to the scrutiny? Right? Would it, your tree be uh, beautiful or would it be a little wonky? Right? You know, like, like uh, the um, peanuts, Charlie Brown's Christmas tree, right? The peanuts Christmas tree. Would it be like that? Right? When, when preparing for today, I started to think about my family and my squad. And the first picture that came to mind was this. Right? This is my squad. Right? That's me. That's Barton. Right? That's, that's my ride or die right there. That's my squad. Right? Right? I don't know why you picked this picture, Chrissy. This is us practicing for a sermon. But uh, Barton's always with me. That's him. That's my squad. He's the, my favorite thing in the whole wide world. Just look at him, right? He's really cute. No, I'm kidding, right? Now, I'll show the next picture, right? This is our actual squad, right? We have to have Christina, right? <laughs> this is our actual squad, our family, right? Look at us. We're at the live nativity up the road here at, for the church, right? right? This is my real squad. This is my family. This is my ride or die. My wife, Christina, and our awesome dog, Barton. And now, let's kind of go up the tree a little bit and extend some of the, the limbs of the family tree, right? This is a picture of the Keeney family, right? Right? Uh, we have some more kids in there somewhere. But uh, my parents, Christina and I, my sister, and my brother over here and his family on the other side, right? That's the family tree. That's part of the family tree. This is my mom and dad. Many of you know them, right? And my sister, Laura, my brother, Michael. Michael is 12 years older than I am. And the funny thing is, is that um, my parents, they couldn't have biological children. And so they, uh, they adopted my brother, Michael. He was adopted. And uh, everyone says that, that he looks just like, like the rest of the family. Like he and I could be twins, even though he's 12 years older than I am. Right? It's funny, though, because it's like God was saying, this, he's going to be your squad. Right? doesn't matter what the blood is. He's going to be a part of your squad. Right? Now, let's go up a few more limbs. Is there another picture? No, there isn't another picture. But if we went up another few limbs, right, you would see pictures of my grandparents. Right? For example, my, my dad's parents. Right? 
right? My grandpa Keeney, who everyone says that I am exactly alike. We have the, the same mannerisms, the, the same, we both stuttered until we were like in high school, right? The same kind of characteristics. We have the same anger issues, all the good stuff, right? They say we're exactly alike. And then my grandma, right? Now my grandma on my dad's side, she's my step-grandma actually, right? She's, she wasn't my biological grandma. My biological grandma died when my dad was quite young. And uh, therefore, my step-grandma became my grandma, was my grandma my whole life. Now, my grandpa, right, he had married three times before he found my grandma. So again, right, squads sometimes can be a little messy, right, a little complicated, and that's okay, right? Now, I don't have pictures, but we can track our family tree all the way back to, to Northern Ireland, right, where our last name was actually O'Keefean, right? And for those of you who are not up on your Irish surname history, the O in front of a name means the grandson of, right? So my family tree goes all the way back to a man named Keithian and his, his grandson, who were really a part of the O'Neill clan of Northern Ireland, right? The O'Neill squad of the northern part of Ireland, right? And that's just a part of my history, right? It does not even go into my mother's side of the family, which, which is even a skinnier tree because two brothers married two sisters, a different family, not the same family, right? <laughs> two brothers married two sisters of another family. And so it's not really a tree, it's more of a stump. But all of this to say that we all come from somewhere, right? I mean, think, you're thinking about your family tree, right? We all come from somewhere. We all have been a part of a squad, and it usually starts with our family, whether it's a good remembrance or a bad remembrance, right? We all come from somewhere. We have that picture in our mind, right? Some of us, are, our family is our squad even today, right? Our, our immediate family, those that we do everything with, we celebrate every milestone with, right? Our cousins, they become like our brothers and sisters. Our aunts and uncles become like, like just another set of parents. We celebrate everything together. Our, our family tree is our, is our squad, right? I think of the Hernandez family who's traveling with their family this weekend to the beach, right? right? Their family is a tight squad who, who really are there to support each other on this adventure of life, right? Squads, Right? No matter what it is, right? You, you do everything together. You go out together. You, you play games together. You celebrate milestones together. They are your, your ride or your die. I, I can, uh, I've been using family as the example, but this can be a, a friend group, right? This can be a, a team that you're a part of. This can be uh, your, your career, your coworkers that you're a part of, a community that you're in. This is your squad, right? It doesn't matter how we define it, right? And today, I want to talk about the main squad, right? The, the squad goal, the, the thing that we should be aspiring to, the greatest squad, and the squad that we want to be a part of all of our stories, no matter what other family or, or team or, or group that we are a part of, a squad that we all, if we choose it, have the opportunity to be a part of, and that is this squad, right? The family of God, right? The, the family of God. The family of God is a term that is thrown around the church world quite a bit. It just is, but it's never really explained. In fact, I don't think the phrase, the family of God, is actually used in the Bible. It's just a term that the church created. Now, however, there is verse after verse after verse after verse about being a member of God's family. 
about being a part of, of this squad and being a good squad member, right? And that's what this series is about, right? The, the next four weeks, we'll, we'll be talking and looking at each role that there is to play in the family of God, right? And how best to play that role, how we can live that out, how we can make this family squad even more admirable, right? Even more of a goal for others, right? We want to take the ambitious term, the family of God, and make sure that every person here at the foundry, every member of our squad, knows what it means to be a part of God's team, a part of his family, a part of his squad, right? Today, we're going we're gonna to kind of focus on the first and probably the most important thing about the family of God, how to become a member of the family of God, and what we get when we are a member of the family of God. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Galatians. Now listen, as always, you can use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, and you can take those with you. They are free for you to take, to give away, to use. We're going to be in Galatians chapter uh, 3 here in just a minute. Uh, You can also go to the Foundry Burke app, a free app. Go to your favorite app store. Uh, If you're watching online, it's easier that way too. You just go to that app store. It'll take you a few seconds to download the app. And you can click the Bible tab, and it'll be right there in Galatians for you. So go ahead and turn to Galatians. And as you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of context. This book... The book of Galatians was written by Paul to the church in Galatia, right? which is, is present-day Turkey. Right? That's the location that we're at right now. Right? Paul had ministered to his church and to this church and, and in this area, but, but some rumors started going around that to be a real follower of Jesus, you had to be, you know, circumcised, right? So, so if you were a Jewish man who grew up as a Jewish man and Jesus came into the world and, and you, you realize that he is the Messiah, in fact, that all these, these Old Testament books had been prophesizing about and that you wanted to follow him and you wanted to be a part of the way and, and his church, there was some rumors going around that first you had to become a Jew, which means you had to be circumcised, right? Not a pleasant thing if you're a grown man, right? So this entire letter was written to the church in Galatia to combat this false teaching and some others that were going around, like having to be circumcised as an older man coming to Christ. Excuse me. False teachings that were all about following the law, right? False teachings about following rules and having nothing to do with actually following Jesus, right? He realized, right, Paul, that the people in this church in Galatia were living actually like slaves to the law, to the the law of the Old Testament, rather than what they really were, right? Rather than living like they were supposed to be living. So uh, let's look at this. We're actually in Galatians chapter 4, verse 3, through seven. Follow along with me. It says this, and that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. But when the right time came, it says, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, right? God, it says, sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. 
Right? And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Right? Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Right? His heir. Right? Paul begins this section of scripture with an interesting phrase. Right? We are enslaved to elementary principles, some translations say. Right? And to these basic things, the, the, these simple things. In the original language, this phrase originally meant as a line of things. Right? That, that's the, the, the definition. Right? The line of things. Think of a, a file of soldiers marching. Right, a line of things, right? In the original, it went from that, and then it started to develop into the ABCs of things, right? That's what we would be kind of calling it today, the, the simple things, the, the basic things, right? The, the most basic of things, the building block of things, right? right? When we are, are learning to, to read, you start by learning the ABCs. Right? And that's what this phrase was, was eventually boiled down to. The, the, the basic building blocks, the ABCs of things. You start with the things that, that make up the big thing. So this verse can loosely be translated as, so too. So too, we, when we were young children, were kept in slavery to the ABCs of things. Right? Or, or for our context today, so too, we, when we were young children, were kept in slavery to the things we thought built us. Right? Does that make sense? We didn't move forward. We just stayed with the basics, right? right? For the church in Galatia, they thought that the laws were what made them into good people. Right, keeping the laws, no matter uh, the, if they were following Jesus or not, that the laws were what made them into a good citizen, a good member of the squad, a good, uh, good community person, a good family member, right? Now, for some of us, we think that our families are what make us good or bad, right? Our squad is the reason that we are who we are today, there's some truth to that, but that's not all that there is. That's the, the basics, right? right? We feel like we're, we're slave to those things, right? And you may call it karma or getting what you deserve or, or something else. Whatever it is, it, it rules our mind, right? can't tell you how many conversations I have with people who talk about family or generational curses, or, or, or generational blessings or, or generational just sins that they have. Right? We, we sometimes live under this idea that we get what we deserve. Right? When we are, are good, we deserve to get good. And when we are bad, we deserve uh, to get bad. And so we're, we're slave to these things. But Paul says, go beyond these basics, right? these ABCs, and look toward Jesus. That's what he's saying. He's saying, go beyond these basic things and look toward Jesus, right? The, the text says that we were slaves to the ABCs, but then Jesus came. 
But then Jesus came, right? Paul is pushing us to go from a slave of the ABCs to take our, our focus off the law, off the past, off the things that we think uh, disqualify us, and turn our eyes, turn our attention, turn our focus and our gaze on Jesus, the Savior and the Redeemer of the world, right? To dig a little deeper is what he's saying, right? It says that Jesus was born under the law, yes, He was born into the same mess and chaos and restrictions that we were. That's what he's saying, right? But he redeemed us. You see, the truth is this. Take a look. The grace of God changes our identity from slave to a child of God. You're part of the squad, right? The grace of God changes our identity from a slave to a child of God, and that is the hashtag squad goal. Right, that's what we want. That's what we're striving for and aspire to be a part of. Right? We have been adopted out of of this way of thinking, this this former way of thinking. We've been redeemed. We've we are where we come from no longer matters because we have a new father. We're part of a new family. We are part of a new squad. Right? Let's let's think of it like this. You see, Paul was probably writing with this idea of Roman uh, adoption in his, in his mind. And you see, the, the Romans had a special uh, privileges for those who were adopted into a Roman family. And it didn't matter how old you were. You could be adopted into a Roman family. It didn't matter if you were a baby or an adult. Like, you could be 50 years old and be adopted into a Roman family. And listen, you, the adoptions... Uh, these people adopted into the Roman family had special uh, privileges. For example, the adopted child gained right, all the rights as of a legitimate son or daughter in his new family. Right? Roman citizens during this time had a lot of privileges and rights that, that non-Romans had. So no matter where you came from, no matter uh, what your family was, no matter what your ABCs are, if a Roman citizen adopted you, you were now a Roman citizen, and everything that came along with it was now yours. You were a part of that squad, right? You, you reached that squad goal. Right, another thing that happened to these, these adopted uh, people in the Roman family, right? the adopted child became an heir to uh, his new father's estate. So if a, a son was later born to his uh, new parents, he didn't lose any of his inheritance just because he was adopted. Right? He was still the, the, the heir to that estate. Right, the old life of the adopted child was, was wiped out, including his debts. He was regarded as a new person, and his, his past was his past. Right? Those are some amazing privileges. And, and Paul's writing this with these ideas, with these laws, with these, these cultural trends in his mind. Right? And this adoption, like we said, could take place at any time in life. This is the picture of our adoption into the squad of God, right? The family of God, right? We all uh, get the rights of being a member of God's family. And no matter where we come from, no matter what squad we are a part of now, right? Our, our adoption into the family of God is, is legally binding. Our, our, our debts are wiped out, and our new squad cannot be taken away. And that is how we become a member, through Jesus. 
through Jesus, right? Turn with me real quick to John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13 in the New Testament there. John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. It's what we read at the beginning of the service here. All right, it says this. But to all who believed him, right, who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, it says, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. I mean, that's absolutely amazing. It says that to all who believed him and received him, him, right, being Jesus, we get the right to become children. Children, right? Jesus is the, is the way into the new squad. We believe him and receive him, and then we join the team, the group, the squad, right? The truth of the squad is this, right? Take a look. Our membership has nothing to do with us trying, and it has everything to do with us relying, right? That is some good stuff, right? It has nothing to do with us doing this, ABC, one, two, three, right? It has everything to do with us relying on him. Right? Jesus did all the work. He was born of a woman, right? Under the law. And he lived a life that changed ours. You see, there was and always will be a legal uh, issue to adoption, right? There are laws that must be upheld. And we broke all of those laws. And so, therefore, a penalty had to be paid, right? We could not uh, join the squad. We cannot be adopted. We cannot gain any of the rights of a child until the requirements of the law were met. And this is what Paul was saying. You have your laws. You have your ABCs, your your file of things. And Jesus did not destroy those. That's not what he's saying. He's saying he fulfilled those. He met those requirements. And because he fulfilled them, because he redeemed them, we are children of God. We're children of God, right? And that's some good stuff right there, right? We could end the sermon right now, but I won't because there's even more, right? God could have adopted us. He could have adopted us and he could have put us under the closet, under the stairs like Harry Potter or something like that, right? Right. But this section of scripture shows us that he did much more, that he did much more. In verse 6, it says that because we are children of God, that we can cry out, Abba, Father. In Galatians there, right? right? This is the next amazing thing that our family of God squad, this squad that we, we want to be a part of, gives us, right? It gives us this. As children of God, we have an intimate access to him. We have intimate access to him. Now, for some of us, the, uh, this Abba is a new name for God. Right? In Scripture, there are many different names used to describe God. And while all the names of God are important, in many ways, the name Abba, Father, is one of the most significant names of, of God in understanding how he relates to us, his children. Right? The word Abba is the Aramaic word that means Father. Right? It was a common term that expressed uh, affection and, and confidence and, and trust. 
Right? The, the name Abba signifies the, the close relationship of a father and his child, as well as the childlike and the, the intimate trust that a young kid, a young child puts in his daddy. Right? A couple of months ago, I was visiting my family uh, a while back. I think we were there. I was there turkey hunting. So it was last spring. A couple, a uh, few months ago, and we were visiting my brother-in-law, and, and he took Christina and I and his family, three little girls, my nieces, to the, the family farm where they live, right? And there's a lake on the family farm, on his, on his family's farm. And we were going to go fishing, and, and we got there safe and sound after me almost driving his new truck into the lake. <laughs> another story for another time. We got there, we set up our fishing poles, and not before too long, two of my nieces got bored with what was going on, and, and so they decided to go exploring, right? As little kids do. And so they're out exploring. They're running around the lake. They're pulling up twigs. They're throwing things into the water, which didn't help my fishing any, right? They had been doing this for a while, and uh, us adults were not really paying attention where, where they were and what they were doing. And, and as, we, as they were walking around, they found themselves, two of my nieces found themselves in this pit of mud, like up past their knees, right? And they were stuck. They weren't going anywhere. It was, it was where some of his cattle, my, my brother-in-law's cattle, would come down to the lake to get some water. And so it had been trampled on and, and just this muddy mess, which would be easy for a, you know, a big old cow to get through, but for a, you know, a six-year-old... It's like quicksand, right? And so they're above their knees, just, just buried in mud. And you can imagine that it was terrifying for them. And they were just kind of sinking down and down and down. And, and as their feet sunk deeper and deeper, their fear kind of grew greater and greater and bigger and bigger until they both screamed out, Daddy! Right? They yelled out, Daddy! And you'll be happy to know that this got our attention. And everyone was rescued from the mud. Just a few shoes were lost. But, but other than that, everything was okay. But listen, that's, that's the kind of story that I imagine when we read that phrase. Right? Look, take a look. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Right? The word does not put pictures in our minds of politely tapping someone on the shoulder and saying, excuse me, right? No, it's, it's calling out to God, right? It makes me, me think of my two nieces, uh, knee deep in this, this, this inescapable mud, screaming out, daddy, Abba, save me, right? This is, this is what our adoption into this new squad means. It means that we can come boldly, loudly even, before the God of the universe and scream out, Abba, I need you. Abba, Daddy, I need you. The great theologian Martin Luther once said this about our cries to Abba, Father. He said, let the law Right? Let the law, like we talked about, sin and the devil cry out against us until their outcry fills heaven and earth. Right? The Spirit of God outcries them all. Even our feeble groans of Abba, Father, will be heard of God sooner than the combined racket of hell, sin, and the law. So even when we can't, we're so worn out. We've been stuck in the mud for too long and we can't even scream, Abba, Daddy, save us. Our feeble cries of, Abba, 
our exhaustion, our exhaustive cries of, Daddy, save us, are still heard, right? On that day at that small farm lake, right, all of us adults, we were distracted, Right? We were not paying attention to what Hadley and Holland were doing. But here is the amazing thing about God. He's never distracted. Right? He, he's never distracted. He always knows where we are. And he always hears our cries, even the most faint of cries, because we are his children. Right? It's just like Martin Luther said, our cries, no matter how small, will always be heard by God. We'll always uh, be able to cry out, Abba. Father. Now, real, real quick, the, the last verse shows us one more thing that we receive when we join in the family, right? We get an inheritance. We get an inheritance. And this is a, a beautiful progression that we're seeing in Galatians here, right? It's a beautiful progression because we are set free from slavery first, Right? And then we are declared sons and daughters and adopted into God's family. And then as sons and daughters, we are made heirs. We are made heirs. Heirs of the most high God. Now, I don't know about you guys, but my retirement plans just changed. Right? Right? This is amazing. Right? In the, the book of Romans, there's a parallel passage also written by Paul that talks more about this inheritance. Go ahead and turn there. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. All right? Romans chapter 8, verse 15. All right. It says this. If I can get there. I'm going to read it. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, right? Instead, it says you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, right? For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. Right? In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Right? But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Right? The, the phrase here, heirs of God, right? Uh, take a look. Right? The children of God are not just heirs to all that God has. Right? As children, we are heirs to all that God is. We are heirs to all that God is. Right? The phrase heirs of God tells us that our inheritance centers on God himself, on who he is, the great I am. Right? This phrase this greatest, is the greatest gift the gospel promises is the gift of God himself. All other gifts are like rays of light that are pointing to God, back to him. Right, the, the inheritance in the family of God is greater than, bigger than, it's more powerful than, than anything that has come before, and it's more powerful and bigger than anything that will come after. Right, you see, for us, for children of God, our inheritance is not a matter of doing, right? It's not a matter of doing, it's a matter of being. It's being with God, being in the right family, being a part of his squad, an effective member of his squad. 
I recently read about a movie called The Black Stallion Returns. I've never seen it. Has anyone seen it? No one? All right. If you're watching online, you've seen it, put a, put a comment up. Right. In this movie, a boy named Alex Ramsey stows away on a plane and he flies to North Africa trying to get uh, back his horse. Right. And once he arrives, he begins to cross the desert and he is told something about the tribesmen that he's going to experience in the desert. Right. And, and this information that he receives saves his life and it's, it helps him accomplish his mission of getting back his horse. He hears that the, these tribesmen have such a high sense of honor that if you say you want to be their guest, that you want their hospitality, they will stake their life and all their possessions on protecting you. Right? That, that's what they'll do. So even though Alex was totally broke and could not purchase protection and help, he got their protection and their care twice in the movie by simply declaring his need to be their guest his need to experience their hospitality. Uh, look, this is, this is what he did, right? He did this. He appealed to their honor and not their worth, right? And he was saved. He was rescued, and his horse was rescued, and somehow made it back home, right? This is the truth of the family of God, of this squad that we're a part of. If we entrust ourselves to Jesus and we say that we want to be your internal guest, God, we want to be your eternal guest and experience your eternal hospitality, he will not refuse us, right? He will welcome us into the squad with open arms and adopt us into the family, right? He, he's so honored, right? Uh, his, his value and his, his trustworthiness, right? He wouldn't deny himself and, and turn us away, right? He, he wants to, to do that, right? He wants us to accept him. And he wants to give us all that, that he has to become ours. And no matter our past, no matter our heritage, no matter our political affiliation, no matter our earthly family tree or our race or our sins or anything at all, no matter what came before we are no less a child of the air. We are no less a child of God. Now, this is usually the part of the sermon where I dig into the, the applications and the lessons learned. But look, as they're getting ready, it's simple. We've got to come back next week. <laughs> That's the application. we got to come back next week, right? Each week and for the rest of the month, we'll be talking about how to be the best member of this family, how to really step into it, how to accept it, and then become the best, right? We know that being in the family is not about anything we do, right? But, but as sons and daughters of, of the God Most High, we want to do everything that we can to make him proud. And that's what it's about. We rely on him. We're a part of that squad, right? And we accomplish great things in his name for his glory, for his honor. Let's stand and continue to worship as we, as we sing another song here.